Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of the Desert Island Punks podcast. I'm Jake and I play in punk rock band Jake and the Jellyfish, and this is my podcast where I interview friends of mine and people I admire in the punk rock scene. I ask them which five albums, book, and luxury item they would take if they were stranded on a desert island, and we talk about how those choices have influenced who they are today. This week I'm joined by indie punk singer-songwriter Erica Frias of Specialist Subject Records. Uh, we hung out with a beer upstairs of the Staggun Hounds in Bristol and talked about the word fuck, our opinions on Paul Simon's Graceland and our mutual adoration for Joni Mitchell, amongst loads and loads of other stuff. Uh, she's a super interesting person, could not be nicer. I really, really hope you enjoy the interview. Please rate and subscribe if you do. Thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy. Erica, welcome. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for asking me. Uh, how are you doing? Good. Uh, on the whole? Yeah. Yep, I feel good. Yeah, sure. So, you've, so how long have you been in Bristol now? I moved here in May of 2019. Okay. So quite, like, quite soon. Like, it's in, like, recently. Yeah. It'll be six months at the beginning of November. Or maybe it was six months at the beginning of October. Oh, sweet. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm really loving it. It's, it's a, a great city. It is a great city. I also feel like I'm still moving. Like I have been living in Olympia, Washington my mm-hmm. whole life. Yeah. And um, I... Oh, everybody told me it takes like two to five years to feel like you've really settled somewhere. So I just really feel like I'm at the very beginning. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's same anywhere isn't it I suppose like you yeah. just get to you get to know like a, a small bit and then before you know I mean I, I've lived in Leeds now for 10 years and I feel like I'm still getting to know parts of Leeds yeah. you know it took me like two three years to to like find the parts that I liked and I'm from the UK <laughs> do yeah, you know what I mean like totally. I'm not even trying to get past like some sort of cultural potentially cultural barrier I suppose I, I know you're supposed to be asking me questions but where did you and Callum grow up? Uh, Bristol, so we were not, we were not, uh, uh, for anybody listening, Calvin to my brother. Mm. Um, uh, but basically they're kind of like 15 miles north of here. So oh, it's like, cool. isn't it like a real small, like, have you ever seen the film Hot Fuzz? Yes. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, it could not be more that town. But it's not that town. No, well, I mean, it may as well be based on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of around there and then I, mm. I moved to, I moved to Leeds to go to uni. Cool. Yeah. Um. Cool. So, do you you know the concept of the podcast? It's what you ask people. Well, I guess that I do. That it is like an imagination about being stuck on a beach. Yeah, like a desert island. Okay, a yeah. desert island. So you're by yourself on with limited island. resources. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. When I talked about doing it with some other people, they were like, "Oh, that's based. That's like some yeah. other podcast yeah, that yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know that." So it's podcast. basically it's a. It's a rip-off of a, a, radio, a BBC radio program <laughs> uh, where they where they ask like five songs, and by th- like which I this is why I started it basically, which I yeah. loved. But they asked like a lot of time people I'm not interested in or people that are like you know big names. Whereas like, I always thought it'd be fun to ask people that I thought were interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I think albums are more fun anyway because uh, one like a song is hard enough, but like an album like is usually for well for me anyway it was like a journey. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. There's some, like, I'm very much like it. I love certain albums from certain bands. Yeah. Because of where I was particularly at that time or because I think where maybe they were at that time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So so we're basically stranding, like, you're going to be stranded on this desert island and for some reason you have these albums that you can listen to for the rest of your life and nothing else. 
That is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tough. <laughs> um, so what would be your first album? Oh, you know... Okay. I didn't think about them in terms of, like, an order. I thought of them in terms of a clump. Yeah, sure, yeah, but which is the first? Maybe what's the first one that comes to your head? Well, the first one that comes to my head is Blue by Joni Mitchell. It's just, like, an utter classic. I love her trajectory through time. I love her, like, how she just, like, made her own rules for how she wanted to, like, compose and perform those songs. Yeah, sure, yeah. And I love that record. And I've been listening to it, you know, I've listened to it probably one million times. It's one that I put on, not currently stranded on a desert island. I put it on all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think when you first sent me the list, Mm -hmm. did you have a different Joni Mitchell album on it? Or did I read it wrong? Oh, okay. Because, though, when I read it, I was like, oh, I can't believe she didn't choose Blue. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, because for some reason I thought you chose a different album. I can't remember why, maybe just the way it came out and like, you know, the little preview that comes out. Because yeah. um, that's like one of my favourite albums as well. Like, I absolutely love that album. And uh, I think it's probably the thing I find most interesting about it is she like, she uses like open, yeah. open tunings, I think. Is it? And there's like, a, there's another instrument as well, I'm not sure. It's like a four string sort of old school instrument. It sounds like kind of high, like tinny, doesn't it? Like sort of the strum patterns and stuff. As yeah. Well as. It makes me think about being an early guitar player and just, like, this didn't happen for me, but I had a friend who was teaching herself how to play guitar and she was didn't understand how to tune it, so she would look at other people's tuning pegs and try to move hers to be in the same place. <laughs> I suppose that makes sense in your head. Like, if you yeah. didn't know anything about it, it would make sense. Yeah, you're like, I just got to get it to look like that and then yeah. it's going to be in tune. Um, but it's like... I feel like making, playing guitar in the way that Joni played guitar, it was also like, it was like uninformed. Yeah. And it was un, I want to say uneducated, but I mean like she hadn't been like taught how to do it and then it ended up so beautiful. Yeah. I I kind of love that sort of approach as well. I think like there's a lot to be said for like, not, maybe not ignorance, but like, you know when people are like kind of ignorant to music theory it's like they know it's there yes but like if you I think it's dangerous uh, I, I said this to Frank Turner as well actually and I was I was explaining you know the band Dream Theater no they're like some wanky experimental like prog metal band okay um, and uh, like my point about them was that like they're all theater no dream because it's mm, like mm-hmm. it's so clinical like and that's why I don't like it it's too like because they're all like Musos, and it's like with songwriting. I think in a way, it's best to ditch some of that music knowledge because otherwise, you realise that what you're doing has been done a million times before, and you've probably recreated what you've done. Yeah, you know, if you put a cap on, you're like, well, actually, that's the same chord progression as I did three songs ago. But it doesn't matter if you've changed the key. Yeah, change the key, change the melody, and change the vibe of it and stuff. Totally. Yeah, it's funny how like. I'm hesitant to say the word uneducated and you were hesitant to say the word ignorant because those are both like... Negative. They're yeah. like they're like heavy with negative connotation but yeah. the but it's like an innocence or... A, yeah. It, it doesn't need to have that negative connotation in this context. It's like... Yeah. So it's much it's about not like you're, you're not like you're ignorant about uh, 
politics or ignorant about like uh, I don't know maybe like racist like like races or racism or something you know what I mean it's not yeah. like that it's like ignorant about something you can choose to be ignorant about if you want to be and it doesn't really hurt anybody yeah yeah or like it like I really think that it is more about like not having the rules scripted for you and not being yeah. like well I know that that um this is the scale that belongs to this key so this is where I'm going to play instead it's like yeah. I'm making sounds come out of this instrument and I like how they sound and I'm going forward with that when I think about like some of my early songs I still I've never like studied music theory mm-hmm. and I taught myself how to play and I often wish that I had more formal training but then Sometimes when I listen to my early songs, I'm like, how did I write that? It doesn't make any sense now yeah. that I have rules yeah. imprinted on me from playing in bands for all these years. I'm like, that early stuff was just like, absolutely just coming out of like spirit. Like, this is what I feel like sounds good. And it's not even sometimes in like a consistent time signature. Yeah, you sure. Know? I think that's really cool. And I think it's really hard yeah. when you like, uh, I've like had that same sort of battle before where I'm like, I'm worried that I'm losing that. You know, and it's even now, like, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not, like, I wouldn't say I'm particularly knowledgeable in music. Sure. But, like, you know what sort of, you know, you know scales, and you know what chords logically work within, so, you know, like, what five chords work together normally. Sure. Yeah, and you know what I mean? And it's easy to fall in those traps, you know, those sort of, like, A minor, G, C sort of traps. Um, but, like, what I found quite funny is that even, like, about eight years down the line of like writing songs for my band I sent I wrote a song recently and me and my bassist got together and he was like and the bassist and the drummer we were like going through it and they were like somebody was like this doesn't sound right and the bassist was like yeah no that it's really weird it makes sense but it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and because they're like the rhythm section they were like this part doesn't make sense but with the song with the way that I've written it I couldn't see how it didn't do you know what I mean because it kind of but I think and like especially with like Joni Mitchell is that like a lot of what she's doing is like led by the vocals it's almost like not in time a lot of the time but it doesn't really matter because it's kind of which is why there's not like a like endless fleet of successful covers of anything off blue yeah because it's like good luck yeah (laughs) (laughs) like what like yeah it's her fucking vocals though her vocals are yeah yeah Cool. Yeah, she's inspiring. I suppose we'll move on to number two. Okay. Oh, I remember. I'm like trying to remember the list that I sent you. Uh, I picked Talking Heads. Uh, Stop making sense. The live album. Yeah. Cool. Um, which I picked that one because it is like, like a seminal album from my like youth. Yeah. Endless like dance parties in the living room you know after school or whatever yeah yeah and I really like the Talking Heads I don't like their whole catalog but that album I feel like is like 100% for me I'm not talking about the movie part of it which also is very cool but just the songs themselves we we had a CD that was just the audio Yeah, yeah and I just like how like they were of the same family of that like 77 New York punk thing that was happening like CBGB's etc yeah, yeah. but they were like so 
weird and like had a different like I feel like they had like such a different kind of like approach to punk yeah. and music. They're quite know? like almost they're almost like like challenging to listen to. Parts. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like I don't know. It's, it's odd because I never I never really got into Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first time I really decided that I was going to listen to them was after watching. Did you ever see that film, Twentieth Century Women? No. Should I? Yeah, it's so good. It's got, uh, it's like, I think it's written by Annette Benning. Um but like, yeah, it's, it's really worth a listen, but it's like all based around that sort of like mid-80s sort of period of time, you know, like when Black Flag and Talking Heads were like, the, they were like the two sort of like mm-hmm. sides of the punk scene, maybe. Sure, yeah. Um, and I never really thought about listening to them until after I watched that and I came away from it like really wanting to check them out. Yeah. And they're, they're quite, yeah, they're quite challenging, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very weird. Yeah. And they're rule-breaky. And... I don't mean this as like a slight against like the black flag end of that spectrum, but I feel like they're what's kind of like a like an imprinting that happened on that on the black flag end of the punk spectrum that was like this is what punk is and now we repeat that ad nauseum until yeah, the yeah, present. Yeah, yeah. But if you go over to the talking heads end of that spectrum, it's like just there isn't an imprint to cling to it's like yeah. so weird yeah and the hit, a- anything's allowed almost like. yeah and so and i've heard it broken down as like those were like the art school kids of that era yeah, which we could so dis- that's like the sort of the uh, stereotype isn't it of sure yeah. like we could dismiss them for that yeah but i don't really want to because if you look at if you look at just david burns trajectory since then like I feel like he hasn't like like he wrote that book like how music works yeah I've got that yeah I was about to say I thought you wrote that yeah yeah and just like his the music that he's been making recently is like really like cross-genre diverse like, I think he's been working with, like, a lot of, like, southern U.S., like, marching band. All right. Cool. A lot of black musicians yeah, playing yeah. with him. And I'm like, I like that trajectory better than playing the same songs from the 1980s yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Like, like, stay engaged, stay thoughtful, engage cross-culturally and cross-genre, keep playing. I'm like... I like that. Um, and be weird while you're doing it. <laughs> Can you know? I ask you a question that is potentially, well, a little bit off topic, uh, but relevant, I think. What do you think of Graceland? Oh, yes. Graceland is of the same... We're talking about Paul Simon's Graceland. Yeah, yeah. Where that's of the same era. Equal amount of living room, dance yeah. party, airtime. Oh my God, yeah. And recently I've been like the uh i put it on the other day and listened to it and then listened to it again and then listened to it again it's so fucking good so many layers to it it's an incredibly good record and i think that like there's little like like it's unavoidably problematic that 
he yeah. rocketed to the top on was, this like best-selling kind coach. of wondered like why I was interested in your opinion on it yeah totally because, separate from it being a great album is yeah it's, it, he's part of a long tradition of like you know like white American and UK musicians yeah. going to Africa and borrowing like borrowing musicianship and ideas and people's like input to make these albums that are like like bonkers good yeah. like so good and I don't I think that it would be like I'm sure like I think that not to take away the agency of the musicians who played on those records they I'm sure they had a really fucking great time you can hear it yeah, yeah. I know there's that part of the the um I can't remember what song it is. It might be Call Me Al. I love that song so much. But you know, or maybe it's a maybe it's um I can almost hear it in my head. Like the ba- there's like oh, the one bass, bass, the bass solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, is that in is it Diamonds and Solstice? It's, it's one of the two big ones. So it's yeah. either you can call me out or it's Diamonds and Solstice. Equally it could be Graceland. Yeah. Oh yeah, it could yeah yeah. But and anyway I know which I know which one you're on about there. Yeah. The story that I heard about that is it was that guy's birthday. And that Paul Simon was like, take a solo, it's your birthday. And the guy was like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, like I think that, like, it's, uh, like, it, like, it's hard to know. Like, we're in an era now where I hope that people are being, like, more considerate mm. and accountable and responsible to the people that they are being yeah, involved sure. with, with with making music that there's not like the figurehead who retains all the cash flow and then like the like yeah the it's, like mus- musician lings below that yeah it's funny because it's like um when we were, sitting, we were talking earlier and you were like oh like we're both hesitating around words and it's really difficult with that album, I think because I, I looked into it loads because um, I loved that album so much and then yeah. like uh, somebody mentioned it and I like it was years back somebody mentioned how it was problematic and I was like alright so I'll explore that word and it's really hard because you want because it's, it's it's such a it's such a difficult scenario because in theory those people were unlikely to cross yeah they cross, were sought out yeah yeah they were, they were unlikely to cross like um, come over to maybe like western Western world mm-hmm. and make it big over here without somebody helping them do that. But then at the same time, he's made he's made that music under his name and got famous for it. And also apparently they apparently they don't get any royalties from it, which I thought was nuts. I feel like that's where my yeah. critique boils down yeah, to. Yeah. It's like let's do let's collab. Like, let's collab. Yeah. Let's let's like we like I I don't think the answer is everybody sticking to their own areas but I do think that there needs to be we need to know names we need to know it just seems it seems to be bonkers that it was I mean like I know that he potentially wrote maybe the maybe the like skeletons or something he probably did yeah but like on an acoustic guitar yeah yeah. exactly he didn't do it on all those instruments did he and he's like it made uh, is it Lady uh, Lady Smith that band that I can't remember the name of which shows how much I don't know it should have been so yeah. I, th- I think it's Lady Smith Black Mambaza 
think it's that band. Hmm. That might be wrong. That's the name of the band that plays on Grace. Yeah, and they, they oh, went yeah. huge. They went huge afterwards. But oh, good. Yeah, which is great. But like, what I think is nuts is that it wasn't Paul Simon and... You know, like, Absolutely. Yeah, and also, apparently, and I could be wrong again, but I'm fairly sure they were paid as session musicians a lump sum for what they did rather than like yeah. rather than like royalties which to me feels like would have would have made that better and I I just also feel like uh, I we need to just keep acknowledging that we're looking at it from 2019 yeah of course we are. and that like that was the fucked up way that the music industry was yeah, operating yeah, and sure. it would have been I was actually just talking about this with my dad the other day it would have been so awesome if Paul Simon had been enlightened enough as a white musician leaning on African skill and talent and tradition if back then he had been like you know what this is fucked up don't pay them a lump sum sign them in the royalties if he had done that back then that could have been like industry changing yeah and it would be a much better history and it probably would have set a precedent for a lot of things going forward. But he's just one among, like, like, you know, like, Seinfeld gets all most of the royalties for one of the most syndicated shows ever. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's the one getting all the money. Like, Sheryl Crow ditched her band that she wrote, like, her first hit album with to become a solo musician because the industry was like, it's all about you, it's not about yeah, them. Yeah. There was that period of time when Bruce Springsteen left the E Street Band, oh, probably also getting groomed. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was in the 90s, yeah. So I think that's different, to be honest, the E Street Band tour. I don't really know. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Springsteen Don't fan. you think that he was being groomed to be like, you're the one and it's not about them? Or maybe, did... maybe, but at that point he was like, huge. Yeah. So, so it was like, he'd already done like, Born in the USA. He'd done all his big ones. So I, I think the reason, I think maybe the reason why the E Street Band stop being why he ditched the Asian ranks I think he wanted to do something different in general mm. but I'm, I mean I might be wrong like, and like I'm happy but you're to... probably not wrong if you're a huge Springsteen fan uh, yeah but I also read the book a while back and I could have easily forgotten that <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean like yeah. I love him so therefore I wanted to defend him do you know what I mean With, uh, it's but he of... came back to the East Street bit, so he's like yeah. not, he's defensible I um, I think with, with one thing with Paul Simon though I know we're really off topic now but like one thing I would say is that like what was what is interesting as much as I as much as you're saying he is it would have been industry changing which it would have been yeah I think what he did was still relatively industry changing at the time because what he did was completely different to what a lot of people were doing at the time and just like, by bringing in yeah, like yeah so he literally took he took he took the first step and like I mean I'm not saying he did the right thing or holy but like I don't yeah. I think it was innocent I think that's where I where I come from is I think that he what he was doing was he was doing it innocently I hope, like whereas like or n- at least naively. Yes, yeah, maybe you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's probably like, the word I was looking for. Naive, yeah. Which you know, synonyms with slightly different undertones, but I don't think that he amounts to like a a like a margin holding out bad guy. Yeah. But I, I do think that it's indicative of a greater problem. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. In our society you'd, you'd and within hope, the music industry, you'd about, hope like, that people have learned. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been. 40 years. Yeah, well, yeah. Was it ni- was it 90s, early 90s? Graceland? Yeah. I thought it was the 80s. I may be wrong. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. Really? Ah, yeah. um, Quick fact check. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm Captain Google. 
Um, well, we well, I Google things, which is no fun on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Have you, you ever noticed how people on like podcasts, like for instance, like you know, like Reply All or like they Google things so fast, like they're like still talking. Eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that would make far more sense. I don't know why I got that in front. I kind of think the same thing with Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band because it was oh. Tunnel of Love that was his yeah, record. Yeah, oh man, have you, have you seen the fucking the uh, you know Tunnel of Love and what's the one that came out at the same time with the uh, they both got really bad uh, covers. <laughs> I don't know, but Tunnel of Love got a lot of play in my house, and I don't know what the other one was. The co- I, I was like I was like wondering why the covers were so bad for those things, and it turned out it's his sister who's a photographer. No. Yeah, who did the covers for those. <laughs> <laughs> Batman said no, no, little stool. There were some really good songs off of those films, but Fuck like, yeah. like not loads. Of yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. Eighty-seven. Yeah. The same, basically the same yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I had nineties in my head. Maybe it's just because uh, Born in the USA had done, and there was like a period of time afterwards, wasn't there? But my mom saw Bruce Springsteen on the Tunnel of Love tour. Really? And she said that that was the one, that was the tour where he. Patty is the name of his mm. wife and mm. longtime bandmate. They hadn't gotten together yet, and he was having like visible tension with her on stage. Really? And it was like, you know, I'm like, th- those were like, like, yeah, whatever. That was like the intrigue of the moment. Bruce Springsteen and his bandmate Patty getting together on stage. <laughs> she could feel the sexual tension. Oh, it's so cool. The Springsteen, uh, the Springsteen thing, like, like one of my favorite videos ever because uh, do you know the song um, what's it called it's off it's off the it's off the greatest hits but it's really near the end Better Days and it's when it's in the time after after the Eastern Band so it's in that sort of gap I don't know it um, it's such a it's a banger is it yeah it's so good but there's a really good video of it on YouTube where they're playing live sometimes it's when he's playing back with the Eastern Band and somebody requests Better Days and like he turns around and the drummer like is it Max Weinberg I think it is mm-hmm. and like uh, he turns around and he's like oh playing better days and this drummer's just going like I don't I don't know what that is yeah and sorry yeah and he's just like you'll get it and they just play it like spotlessly throughout the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking like it just shows how good they are god that's the fucking best thing in the world a band that just knows each other so well yeah you can just like read each other mm-hmm. yeah. um, we, should, we should move on okay moving on so, number three. Okay, number three. What else did I say? Oh, okay. Divers from Portland, Oregon, USA. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. Cool. I struggled to find this when I was... Uh, yeah, they're hard to find because there's a lot of bands called Divers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listened to a bit, but I, I didn't listen to those, so... Well, I'll tell you that I put Divers on there and I didn't put Bruce Springsteen on there because I felt like, duh, Bruce Springsteen is like the very best... But this album by Divers is also the very best, and it feels like I feel like it occupies a similar frequency in my oh, like sure. kind of like rock and roll with a hint of like country undertone. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. have a lot of Springsteen influence. Cool. But okay, so um, for transparency, I put out this record on my record label, Rumble Town. Sure. I think it came out in 2015, and it is. Just like a fucking incredible record um, that kind of thematically has like a little bit to do with like 
like maybe it's about like bank robbers running okay, away cool. from the law and like some of the like psychology behind what their decisions that they're making. Yeah, yeah. It's just a really fucking good record, and I, you know, I listened to it one million times because I was helping bring it into the world, and I still, whenever it comes on, I'm like, mm, love it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, are they still a band? Yeah, they're still a band. And they're like touring a lot? Or they... No, they don't tour a lot. They all live in Portland. And to be honest, I haven't talked to any of them. Well, I've talked to Colby, the drummer who recently started kind of like an ambient noise project called Tory Pines. All right, cool. But, um, but I haven't talked to any of the rest of them in a while, so I don't really know what they're doing. But I, but they play shows locally. They like all have like pretty busy lives. Yeah, sure. Just like kind of like a like a a band that is like touched by this like vein of electricity that you don't find in a lot of bands. Yeah. And they also they're all really hardworking in their lives and and put that energy into the band when they can. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's kind of the way it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, they're such a good band. When they're live, they're like, like that vein of electricity is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Have you guys, well, um, have you personally played many shows with them? Yeah. Uh, like in them revival, I suppose? Yeah, like, like many, many shows. Yeah, and I got to sing on one of their earlier Seven Inches, so there's like a part I always get to get up and sing with them. Oh, awesome! On their song "Glass Chimes," it's they're just a really good band. Cool, it's and pretty. That, it's pretty awesome that you want one to take one of your five, the only five albums you could take to this island would be one of the ones that you put out yourself. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I guess you would hope that you'd spend all that time and energy on stuff that you really fucking cared about yeah well, absolutely yeah yeah but I mean like I yeah. mean uh, uh, yeah well, I, I really like it when people choose the best thing is when people choose um, obscure stuff I love that yeah. and I love it when people choose stuff that they uh, are not like you wouldn't expect and then I love it when people choose um, things that are small yeah. and in related to the scene because it's like I mean like, this podcast doesn't get like thousands and thousands of listens but people do listen to it and it's really lovely when people come back to me and be like I heard this record sure. because of this this person said that it was great I was thinking about that in the like the um, the what the rule the suggestion the yeah, point yeah. of like finding five records is like like I spend you know 90% of my life for the last like 15 years is about existing within, creating records within, yeah, yeah. Cre- you know, like running record label and now working for specialist subject. I, I ran Rumbletown Records, now I work for specialist subject records. Mm-hmm. I'm like in underground independent music and it's way easier to be like mainstream record from 1986, yeah, mainstream record from 1992, you know, it's yeah. like so much easier to be. And I, I think that's interesting because it's like we do pour so much energy into the underground and DIY. Why? Yeah, I just think it's interesting that we pour lots of energy into why? Why shouldn't we then like yeah 
why isn't that the record that's coming to yeah, well, I think it's funny because it's put people put on the spot so like when I mentioned this to you you said that you were like kind of scared by it or like intimidated by the, <laughs> the concept and like and I, I thought that was funny but everyone is so like so the amount of times I finished like doing a podcast and somebody's gone like oh what are your choices and I'm like I've no idea there's a reason, there's a reason <laughs> you why you must know right now. <laughs> there's a reason why I'm on this side do you know what I mean <laughs> that's like, so funny <laughs> and if you there's a bug in my drink if you asked me next week I might have come up with a different list yeah, but which this is, was this week's list this is why it's fun because I can you know in theory if this, if this series goes on beyond what like however many I could potentially come back to some people and they'd have different answers yeah. and that's why it's fun but it's yeah, it's, it's great because it's like everyone gets put on the spot, and I put all these people on the spot. And they go, "What about you?" And I go, "Like, I'm not the one being confused." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, cool. So number four. Okay. Um, oh yeah, number four was Prince Purple Rain. Yeah, cool. Which would be like the absolute uh, in this desert island scenario, which I was intimidated by it also because I was like, I fucking hate top ten. Mm-hmm. Top five end of the year lists. I, I that's think, not what I'm asking. That's, that's what I know you're asking as we just discussed about like this moment the yeah, five yeah, you yeah. would pick, or the five you would pick for life or whatever on a desert island. But I think that I got like it makes me feel like like that part of me that doesn't like competition gets shuts down. Where I'm like I don't want I don't yeah whatever like I know what you mean yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, so, but Prince, Prince, Purple Rain. It's just, like, um, also weird in the same vein as, like, the Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. You so know? strange. I listened to it on the way down. Like, I don't think I've ever listened to that album all the way through. What? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I just, it's been there forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, like, I listened all the way down. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> like, I yeah. didn't realise quite how, like, from... Like a mainstream album as well. Oh, yeah. And he played, like, every instrument on it. Yeah, he, he was also... Speaking of this, like, vein of electricity that doesn't run through everybody, like, Prince was, like... Oh, yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. like... 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 Weird, driven, skillful, talented, eccentric to the max. Like, like I really, really like in... Purple Rain, how, like, he's just, like, singing with utter conviction and bizarreness, these lyrics <laughs> that are, like, what? Like, yeah. if you wrote that out on a piece of paper, you're, like... I just, I find it nuts that he got that big. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, you know, he's an incredible musician and stuff, but, like, it is weird. It's a bit like, uh, um, do you know, do you know Ren? Um, yes, of course. Yeah, so we grew up in the same village together. Hoppers. Oh, cool. Um, so she was the second second guest on... I the, listened to her when. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, when she was talking about um, Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, you know. It's nuts of, like, how massive she got. And yet, it's like, it's dead weird. Like, it's it, it really is. weird. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if that would be big now. I don't know if that would get away with it. Well, the thing is that that would... It wouldn't be big. It would exist on SoundCloud, and, like, maybe 2,000 people would hear it. Like, the music industry then to now is, like, unidentifiably different. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like, I I mean, not identifiably, unrecognizably different. Like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, like, thinking about, 
a teenager. I don't know how young Prince was, but he was really young. Because he was only in his fucking 40s when he died, and that was like three yeah, years ago. Yeah, that is weird. So uh, these young people like Kate Bush or Prince getting like... Kate Bush was so young when she, when she started off as well. It was like yeah. depressing. They get like, <laughs> they get like plucked through randomness, whereas yeah, yeah. now there's like... Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Billie Eilish counts as that today. Like, I don't know if I've heard it. I know the name. But she's like the top of the charts, popular. Yeah. And honestly, her music, I've listened to it and I'm not like resonating with it, but mm-hmm. she's got a lot of eccentricities that I really appreciate. Like she was like intentionally dressing really like air quotes ugly because she was like I just want my music to stand out I don't want to be rated because she's like a 19 year old woman and I'm like yeah. yeah like you go for years with your career yeah, sure, yeah. but anyway like I think that like Prince had so much vision and so much power to like like how you might be able to listen to Prince on Spotify now, but even up until when he died, you couldn't find him on any of the streaming platforms because he was like, no, I'm holding on to my territory, to my royalties. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm in control of this. A couple years before he died, he did a tour through the United States. Maybe he came over here too, where he played like 2,000 capacity it, When they were like announced really, really last minute. Yeah, and they yeah, were fucking yeah. small. Yeah, because he was like announced on the day or something. And like Madonna just did that in on mainland Europe but the tickets were like 2,000 euros each but Prince did it and you could go for 80 or like 100 bucks which is like like you know he just oh I just value his like artistic integrity and like uncompromising like fuck you I want to do it my way and if you don't understand my way artist formerly known as Prince Weird Symbol, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it anyway, and I don't care. It's, you know? a, bit, it's a bit like Joni Mitchell. Like, yeah. like, man, does Joni Mitchell not give a fuck? Like, Seriously. She's, she's so awesome for that. Like, I'm a massive uh, Bob Dylan fan, mm-hmm. but like, she fucking hates Bob Dylan. If <laughs> <laughs> you looked into it, she, man, she's not a fan of Bob Dylan. Yeah, well, he was a fucking like, total <laughs> misogynist. I, oh, I didn't the, know that, to be fair. Well, I mean, well, maybe, you know, I could be being like I could be erroneous there might be lots of women who back him but it seems like a lot of the women who were like in the folk scene of the yeah was that the 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 late 60s and into the 70s he was like arrogant and dismissive and sexist I'm totally not surprised that Joni Mitchell was like (laughs) (laughs) I do there's also a really good interview somewhere I can't remember what it is, but it's like when somebody's talking about her smoking, and she's like, you know, like it was like like five years ago, or like yeah. you know, like like recent recent history, and she and they're like, oh, why you smoke? She's like, because I fucking like smoking, <laughs> <laughs> and I've liked it the whole fucking yeah. time. So fuck off. It's just fucking awesome, you know. Like yeah. I love people that do not give a shit, and it's yeah. because I find it funny as well because. Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan get lumped in the same sort of category, and like and I think. Oh my god, no. I, yeah, I mean I. I, I'm a I'm a huge Bob Dylan. Yeah, fair, fair. Like, uh, what one thing I would say, like again, side point, is that I've got his first eight albums on mono, and that gets into the either the late sixties or early seventies, which is fucking nuts. The first, imagine owning eight out of the first eight albums of any band, and them all being bangers. Is like that is like, woo, who can like, you can't can you do, name them? Uh, well, the first eight albums of Bob Dylan. It's okay if you can't. Uh, so there's 
There he is. I think it's Bob Dylan. And then it, the freewheeling Bob Dylan. Highway 60... I can never remember the... 63... 64 revisited. Um, bringing, bringing it all back home. Okay, that's four. Blonde on Blonde. Okay, now we start to get into me knowing Bob Dylan. Um, what was after that? Um, there was one that had the, na- the guy's name in the cover. Uh, Times Hour Changing as well. Uh, and the last two, I forget. Does Blood on the Tracks not come till after that? Yeah, it's after that. <laughs> it's fucking crazy is Blood that? Blood on the Tracks is the one with Emmy Lou Harris on backing vocals. Yeah, yeah. But how, how crazy is that? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. passed eight, eight thousand. Like, yeah. It's like... It's I mean, bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, again, like, me and Joni Mitchell's the same, right? Like, Blue was number four. I guess so, but the truth is that Blue is what I've spent time with. I know about, like, Yellow Taxi and, like... Yeah, I've not really listened to much of that side. But I, I equally... Blue is what I love of Joni. I don't love the rest of the catalog. Yeah. I never, like... She kind, of, she kind of went all jazzy, didn't she? Yeah. Or I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, uh, is it the last record? No, we on four or five. Yeah, but I feel like I had something else to say. What was the last one? Oh, it was Prince. Oh, yeah. I want to say... Okay, I've got a couple anecdotes to say. Okay, sweet. Joni Mitchell. She... Do you remember who she... Jack Gray, my partner, who okay. might listen to this, is going to be like, I can't believe you don't remember this name. The man that she was like in love with and wrote a lot of blue about. Uh, I do. N- I yeah. I read. In fact, I read about it today uh, because I was doing some research. Oh, but I, I can't. You're good at this. Oh, this guy. I mean, I'm not that good that I can remember who he's about. <laughs> <laughs> he was part of. Oh, Graham. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's his first name? No idea. <laughs> Graham. Graham. Uh, it's Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Graham. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Dear listener who knows the answer, sorry, we didn't know the answer. But anyway, she was in love with this guy who was also the songwriter. The song that he wrote about her was like a very domestic song, and the songs she wrote about him were like so wild, you know? And then they they parted because she was like, I don't want to be like held down in domestic partnership. Her grandma, when she died, she Joni found like hundreds of like like rolled up pieces of paper in her piano that were songs that she wrote that she felt like like the impression that Joni got from that was that she had been like writing but hadn't felt like she had like space in her life to like release those songs and Joni was like that will not be my future I will I will choose my songs over domestic partnership sure yeah Oh, God gives me shivers even just thinking about it. Also a different era. Did, um, did he... I, I, like, again, today I read. But, like, uh, yeah. apparently somebody listened to Blue, Blue and was... I can't remember it was another songwriter. And they said... She, they were like, like, keep something to yourself. Because apparently she was, like, so vocal about all of sure. her... Sure. All of her, like, you know, like, personal feelings. They were just like... It's like, yeah, this is all good, but, you know, like... Don't tell everyone everything, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny because it's like she just clearly didn't care and wanted to get everything out. And it was We're like, decades before early two thousands folk punk. Yeah, <laughs> just like save a little girl. <laughs> She's like that every time. <laughs> uh, well, and then Prince had an anecdote about Prince. Or? Oh, okay, Prince. Okay, an anecdote about Prince. One, 
Janelle Monet was his like protege, mm-hmm. and he that last record that she put out, Dirty Computer. He he his handprints were on that record, even though he died before it came out. Oh, be still, my heart. <laughs> Can you imagine? One, I love Janelle Monae. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely oblivious. You don't know her? No. <gasps> oh, I got to go see her in London last year. I already was a fan, but talk about another musician with that vein of electricity. Yeah. And she was, she's like, she's from the, from the Atlanta area. She's worked with like a variety of names you might know, like. Like Big Boy from Outcast. Oh yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I know, I know who you're on about. I couldn't tell. Yeah. You yeah. And then I didn't know through knowing the first part of her career that also Prince had been like you. I want to work with you. <laughs> and she, and so then you can like, like her last album is like, has like elements of like, honoring him. It also you can hear his, like flavor within it. She's incredible. I can't wait to see where she goes Ooh, with her okay, life. I'll, I'll check her out. Yeah, she's really good. Dirty Computer is the last record. Okay, so that's another Prince anecdote. And then another one is, you know the story about the replacements, like, throwing their records into the Mississippi River and yeah, hoping yeah. that Prince would yeah, yeah. fish them out and sign them or whatever? <laughs> I think I, I love the replacements. Oh, yeah, the replacements. Yeah, I think they were a late discovery for me as well, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I kind of just... Again, I love the don't give a fuckness about you when they came back and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that band is a golden band. Okay. Number five. Number five was a last minute switch um, to Fiona Apple title. Yeah. Which is, um, came out in 1996, I think. Yeah, it did, yeah. And it... (laughs) That's my research then. In 1996... I was, like, a teenager glued to MTV and, like, just starting high school. And I was thinking about, in the context of being stuck on a desert island, like, I feel like albums like Tidal, also, like, Whitney Houston, all these, like, kind of, like, soulful singers from, like, 80s and 90s, like, really taught me how to sing. And, like, Tidal is not on my constant rotation, but I, I sang Tidal in my bedroom about one zillion times really? for in the late 90s. And, like, Fiona Apple, she was just a teenager, and she was, you know, she was, like, she's, like, like a, a certain unhealthy prototype of beauty at that point in time. She was, like really 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 thin white tall like her first her like music videos from that moment are like her in her underwear kind of like walking walking around the house being like I've been a bad bad girl you know (laughs) it's so 90s but regardless of that like something happened where she similar to Kate Bush similar to Prince she she got plucked as a teenager by the music industry I think in her case it was Sony and they were like, you're going to be the next big thing. Just get really skinny in your underwear on MTV, baby. <laughs> and then she, sometime after title, her next album, I think it was called When the Pond. And I'm not sure if this happened before or after When the Pond. But she was at like an MTV Music Video Awards. And 
got up on the mic and was like, this whole thing is a lie. The whole industry is a scam. Like, like, uh, this is all just bluster. And, and I remember the news on that was Fiona Apple went to the MTV Music Awards on acid. She was so high. She was out of her mind and she didn't know what she was saying. But the truth is that she was like, you know, in the channel for like the, the like hotshot pop career. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, fuck this and has gone on to have her own much, much, much less successful career. Probably way more interesting. More interesting. In terms of what she she can do. Yeah. Yeah. And she has had like, like, um, like struggles with mental health like any normal person and like I heard a thing a couple years ago where like her dog who had been like her companion had was like she was on tour and he was gonna die so she cut the rest of her tour dates and went home to be with her dog I just think of her as this like woman who's like she's probably like five or six years older than me and uh, I just feel like she had the like privilege and door open to just go full bore into the music industry and instead was like you know what fuck you yeah i'm gonna do me that's awesome yeah totally awesome oh yeah that's another thing is she you know writes her own songs just like everybody else on this list yeah which isn't a given if you're talking pop music no of course not but um Amusingly, yeah. I was listening. So I was listening to this album on the way down because I didn't leave, so I was driving down um, today, and <laughs> I was like, "We listened to the album." I was like speaking to my girlfriend who was driving at the time, um, and I was like, "Oh, this is what this is you know, what we listened to." We had a bit of a chat about it, and then like about like fifteen minutes later, like uh, she's like, "Are you eating an apple?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm eating an apple." And she's like, "Is that because we were just listening to you an apple?" I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the one that was like, "Is this? Is this been like? Yeah. That's uh, a, am a I like, yeah, yeah, am I really susceptible <laughs> to like fucking advertising?" <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So uh, now we're gonna move on to your book. Oh shit! Okay, I picked two books. You did pick two books, yeah. and one of them is a double volume. Is that the Ursula Le Guin one? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. Ursula K. Le Guin is, like, a sci-fi writer, also from Portland, Oregon, like, divers, mm-hmm. who, um, I just fucking love her. And I, like, I just read the Hainish, um, Novels and Stories volume sure. collection where... I don't, I don't know that, but, like, my girlfriend's favorite book ever is the Earthsea yeah. Chronicles she loves that so that's how that's how I got like knew it okay so this is what I love about Ursula is that like for instance the Earthsea, Earthsea Chronicles like she wrote the first part of that in what the 60s or the 50s yeah ages ago <laughs> and then had ago. a kind of like feminist awakening mm-hmm. and came back and what looked instead of like erasing her book from history, you know, like taking it out of print and denying that it existed, which I feel like is a really big part of our 
current relationship with call out culture oh my god I never made a mistake yeah, like the yeah, first part yeah, yeah, of yeah, sure. the Earthsea books is like misogynist there are no like powerful female roles at all I'm, I'm see I've not read them so like I've been meaning to read them for ages yeah but that's interesting because for me like my knowledge of her is, oh yeah as, as like a feminist sci-fi writer and not just feminist like yes yes feminist but not in any sort of like like um like second wave separatist way yeah, she's sure. like like a true like we're going for like a better society not yeah. a better society yeah. not a society reproducing segregation and separatism which mm-hmm. i'm like fully on board for yeah sure but so instead of being like oh i'm so ashamed i was i wrote these books before i understood about like feminism and gender equality and all this shit she was like instead of like moping and what I didn't know I'm gonna add to the story with what I do know now and she like wrote more yeah 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 kind of doing reparation on the first part yeah that's awesome so awesome but so that's not the book that I pick though I picked the Hainish novels because I was just reading them recently and again these are like like she wrote like her main works like um, left-handed darkness. There's the. That's, see, that's the one I, 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 I haven't actually finished it, but I, I'm about halfway through, and I really what I loved about that was the fact that she's the the people that oh, is it left-handed? But like the people that they come across, they don't have, like the word fuck isn't like used. Or any, oh yeah. Or any of those sort of words where it's like one person does something to the other. It's like. They, you know, like if they have sex, they have sex together. Yeah. Rather than like it being like male penetration. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought that was uh, that was like a really interesting concept. Yeah. Like I never come across. Before. Which I feel like that cuts to the like root of why I think she's so important is that so she's got like her big main titles that you might recognize like Left Handed Darkness or there's the yeah, one. Yeah, sorry, about, I keep interrupting. That's okay. <laughs> the the that was really on point, or like there's the. I can't remember the name of it right now, but the one with the anarchist planet Anaris that's, like, yeah. floating outside. It might be that one that I was thinking of, actually. Yeah, maybe not. Oh, is that the Left Handed Darkness? Oh, God, excuse me. Yeah, I've been no, reading it, too much of her lately, yeah, and I got cool. the names mixed up. But there's the, like, main things that you recognize. Earthsea, Left Handed Darkness, blah, blah, blah. But she's got, like, like dozens and dozens of these short stories that mm-hmm. are, like, all kind of, like, explorations in like sociological alternatives to what we take for granted in our day-to-day here as yeah. humans so like the like that like being like what if we didn't have like i love the word fuck i think it's a great yeah, word yeah. but why not think about it a little bit differently and think about the like the like purpose behind that word the like weight that it's carrying the meaning that it's carrying and how that's like reinforcing things that we would like to be weeding out you know yeah i it's, think i think also the way it's, the way she, it was it was really interesting like you yeah. know it was like one of those moments where I was like this is I mean this is fucking cool because it's like it's not necessarily the word fuck but it's more like, yeah like you say like the meaning we have you know it's like the fact that somebody fucks somebody else it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that it, it's like it's feminist in a really nice way because it's yeah. like it's like going like you know one person isn't fucking the other person it's them fucking, fucking together yeah fucking together fucking each other yeah you know, I mean like it's like it's a, it's one it's one act rather yeah. than like one act being performed on somebody else. Yeah. Which 
you know, like that's the kind of sex I want to always have. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like yeah. I like. I just feel like she. Okay, so she died maybe. Twenty eighteen, like yeah. so recently. I think it was like last year. Yeah. And she wrote up until the end. So like her career spanned. 40, 50, almost 60 years of writing and she didn't start writing till she was like 37 <laughs> you know like she started writing sci-fi when she was like almost 40 years old really? yeah that is fucking awesome I love it I, oh man I'm, so I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn 30 next year and I am shitting myself oh don't shit yourself uh, 30's <laughs> great <laughs> I'm just like yeah I love it when I hear stories like that though because it's like yeah, yes <laughs> totally it was Toni Morrison that just died a couple months ago, right? And she know. didn't start writing till she was in her late 30s either. Oh, really? Which makes sense with, uh, like, women of that era. Like, you get your, like, gender role prescribed shit out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, actually, I got a fucking life to live. My kids are, like, yeah. not breastfeeding It's supposed that era, especially. Like, yeah. It's like, you, yeah. Um... Uh, just because of time. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I think we're going to move on to lecture item. And I have to admit, I didn't even think about this at all, so I'm just going to say an umbrella because I fucking hate sitting <laughs> out in the sun. <laughs> and I'm not even a goth. I just don't like it. It makes me feel, like, claustrophobic. So I would say a really nice, sturdy, big umbrella that's going to last for the rest of my life. Awesome. That's a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then one last question. I've been asking everyone recently. Uh, can you smell pizza? I can smell pizza. I think they cook pizza here at this yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Otherwise, I'm about to, like, I'm very ill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is my last question. And it is, on this island, you come across a book. Okay. And in that book, there's a spell. And that spell will take you home. But when you get home, all music, doesn't matter what it is, it can be the whole music on the phone it can be whatever anybody's whistling is Nickelback <gasps> do you come home? is it like the kind of thing where if I just avoided listening to music forever I could you could live a normal life but how easy is it to listen to avoid listening to music is oh it? that's hard yeah, I, I feel like Dun 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 to be continued while I think about it. I don't know because I'm <laughs> yeah, winning. That would be Nickelback. That'd be like, listen to this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really hard. I guess it would depend how long I'd been on this island. Okay, so you're on this island for a month. Fuck, that's so hard. I'd probably come home and just avoid music for the rest of my life and have to come up with something else. Like maybe I start writing sci fi. I mean, that was pretty good. That'd be pretty interesting. It, I mean, I feel like that would be a serious sacrifice, but at least I wouldn't be alone in the sun on an island. <laughs> you know? Well, you got your own brother. And after and a month, breakfast. I would have like really remembered every lyric on Fiona Apple's title and probably would be done listening to that. <laughs> you know? All right, well, uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking me, Jake. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome.